All right, well, now that you're awake, you're back awake, some of you have dozed off in the presence of God, <laughs> we have awakened you for the Word. So um, if you want to open your Bibles, go ahead and open them to uh, Acts chapter 11. As Ashley was saying earlier, we just we are thankful to be home, but we're thankful for what the Lord deposited in us. Uh, there were some just really powerful uh, things that went on. Uh, at our our convention it's encouraging to see what god is doing around the world uh, i don't want to give one of them away too much but it and we, we will show it to you on our mission sunday but we had a tribal chief from coup d'ivoire uh that's in africa uh which i just found out just like you did um i just found it out last week that uh had been hooked up and was Foursquare, and we have a national leader there in Foursquare, but they had the tribal chief speak, and it was just amazing to hear the, the testimony about the power of the gospel. And this is, let me give you just one little tidbit from his message, and it's amazing to watch uh, Africans speak in French, too. So they were speaking French. Did, did you know that in parts of Africa, they are French-speaking? So some of you are like, no, I didn't know that. Don't lie. Some of you didn't know, okay? <laughs> okay, I didn't really think about that. Maybe if I would have thought of it. But there's, there's whole sections of Africa where they speak French. And so we had the missionary, Foursquare missionary, Dan Lucero from France, translating for the African brothers from Cote d'Ivoire. Okay, so that's pretty awesome in itself. But here's, here's the deal. He is one of the only ch- tribal chiefs, and he has... What did he say? I don't know, 36,000 in his oversight in his villages or village region or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, when, when uh, he was a believer before he became, came into this position, and many of the tribal chiefs, of course, are very animistic or other religions, worshiping other spirits, etc., etc. And so when he came in, he had all the witch doctors and all the, the witchcraft guys and gals and stuff that said, Here's the deal. Uh, you're not going to last here. In, in three months, you're going to be dead. And so they're cursing him. They're speaking out against him. They're, you know, and this is some real spiritual deal going on here. And so he said, no, I'm not going to die. And so after three months, he was still alive. And you know what be, began to happen? They began to die. All the people who are practicing witchcraft and witch doctors begin to move out of their region, and the other ones who are cursing him, they died themselves. The power of God is real. Uh, he shared. He almost started preaching. Oh, he did start preaching in French, uh, and it was pretty pretty cool. So we'll show you that clip uh, on a mission Sunday here once we have the the downloads. Just very exciting. You get exposed, like she said, to. A bigger world. We all need to see a bigger world sometimes. You know, we get stuck in just our little what's going on around us, and we're so, like, focused on that, and we're all, you know, everything looks, you know, the things that look big to us, and when we look out from the world's perspective, we're like, okay, that's not a big deal. I need to, I need to not worry about that as much. I, I don't need to give that as much power in my life as I'm giving it because it, it really has not that much power. And so... Very exciting. Uh, one of the things um, that was shared uh, one of the first nights was uh, talking about the, the hand of the Lord being on a community. 
and the hand of the Lord, what happens when the hand of the Lord, and you know that, just that phrase, I don't want to re-preach that guy's message because he's way better than me, and uh, we may watch it sometime here on a Wednesday or some other gathering, but I want us to read the scripture he read and start there and talk a little bit about just, just God's hand and, and the grace of God and how that ties in. Uh, Acts 11 and verse 19, this is the, the first time that the church in Antioch uh, is is formed. And uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God, the Scriptures, as we read them this morning. Open our hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen. It says this, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. The book of Acts, what happens is they start in Jerusalem. It's the first church. Boom, things are rocking. They're going. There's people coming into the the kingdom. The church is growing by 3,000 one day, by 2,000 another day. And it says every day there's people being added. So there's thousands upon thousands. And then what happens is persecution breaks out. They start seeing... You know, seeing opposition. And here's the amazing thing is the persecution actually does God's will. Because God's will was that they didn't stay in Jerusalem. If you remember, Acts 1.8 says, you'll be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem and then to Samaria, the next place, and into all Judea. So that's the region. And then to the ends of the earth. We just wanted to cover everything there. So that's what Jesus said. Hey, you're, but they, everybody was staying in Jerusalem. They just, you know how you get in church? This is good, man. This is good. We're hanging out with each other. We love each other. And we're just all together, all with, with just one another. That's what they were doing. And so God says, we've got to get you out of Jerusalem. Okay? There's, there's people outside of Jerusalem that need to know about Jesus. They need to know about the good news. They need to know he's risen from the dead. The resurrection has happened. Everything's different now. It's all good now. The good news is here. And so... They, the persecution connected to Stephen. There's these guys that are raised up, and if you remember the story, Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, is the one giving the orders to stone Stephen as he dies. And so the church starts spreading because they're running for their lives. God never said you just had to just sit there and die. Uh, so it's okay to run if you're in that situation. It's not necessarily a bad thing. God might be sending you somewhere while you're running. So... They go, and what happens is they're telling the message only to the Jews. Notice that. They're only speaking to the other Jewish people. Remember, Peter has already opened, it's already been opened to the Gentiles, to those who aren't Jewish. And so here's what happens, verse 20. Some of them, however, the, the renegades, you know, the ones who were kind of out there, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch, and they began to speak to the Greeks also. We read that in our Bible and we don't understand, hey, this is a big deal. They're like, hey, we're, they started sharing with everybody. They were breaking out of the mold. They were, they were going beyond the comfort zone. They were doing something. They were taking a risk, a step of faith, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand or the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. 
Remember Saul? He got saved. He'd met Jesus, but he wasn't Paul yet. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So in other words, Saul had been away. We know later on that he was spending time seeking the Lord. There was just stuff going on. He was being raised up by God and trained up. And Barnabas says, you need to be in Antioch. You're, you're called to this. This is your destiny. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So if that shows up in Bible trivia, where's the first place that Christians were called Christians? Antioch, okay? And here's the deal. Christians didn't give themselves the name Christians. It was everybody else. Why did they say that? They look so much like Jesus. They're like, hey, you're, you're just like Jesus. There's all these Christians. There's all these Christ followers. There's all these people just like the Christ around. That's powerful right there. You know, that's the world saying, you are just like him. You must be, we're going we're gonna to name you that. It wasn't even a, a beneficial name. It was kind of a, a derogatory thing. Hey, you're, you're one of those Christians. You're just like that Christ of yours. What a, if we could only be called by that, if someone else could just recognize us and say, you've got to be one of those Jesus people. <laughs> you've got to be. You, you are exactly like him. You are just like him. So that was that was free. So the hand, but isn't it interesting that it says the hand of the Lord was with them? You know we need we need the hand of the Lord on our lives. Amen. You know, does God actually have a hand? Well, in G, well, Jesus became a human, so He has a literal hand. He's still glorified in heaven. He has a hand. But does God, the Spirit, the Father above, who's above everything, actually have a hand? Well, maybe not. He's a spirit. But the hand of the Lord does what a hand would do for us. What, is it, what does it mean when the hand of the Lord is on somebody? You know, sometimes I think it's just like, just like that song we were singing. You know, you put, you put your hand on someone, and you just know they're there. You know, sometimes we just need that. Sometimes you just need the hand of the Lord to just be gently placed on your back and know you're not alone. I'm with you. I'm with you. Sometimes what does a hand do? Hand can give direction, right? You know, my daughter is is really good at the hand. <laughs> not really good at talking yet. You know, she's 20 months, so she's starting to say a few things. My wife wishes she would talk more. <laughs> I'm fine. I understand sign language. Eh, you want that. I get it. <laughs> I don't need an interpretation, but I'm trying to help and make her say stuff too because I just, oh, okay, let me get you. Let me be your slave. Okay, okay. That's Is that what daddy's for? I love daddy. <laughs> so, but a hand can give direction, right? Sometimes the hand is, is showing the way. You know, when a door is open, you you. Show your hand in to, to let someone know, hey, you're welcome here. You're invited here. You're open here. Or you can actually be, you know, hey, that's, this is where you need to go. So there's times where the hand of the Lord is, is giving us direction, where he's, he's showing the way, where he's opening the door for us, where he's inviting us into something. We need the hand of the Lord. Sometimes, you know, you just need the hands wrapped around you, you know, for protection. 
you know, for to to stand against something that's that's being attacked in your life. Sometimes you need His hand to lift you up. The hand of the Lord. Sometimes, you know, throughout the Book of Psalms, there's so many times where it says God stoops down. Read it. Read read all 150 Psalms this afternoon. No, just next time you're reading Psalms, just notice how many times it says. God stoops down, or some translations may say bend down or reach down or something. But the picture there is, you know, that God is just, his hand is always reaching down. It's not that he's holding his hand up and saying, oh, come and get me. Come and try to get me. You, you probably can't reach me. No, it's, the, it's, it's his hand where, where God just stoops down. I just love that word. I still remember a message. You know, I don't remember a lot of sermons. <laughs> Do you remember a lot of my sermons? No, <laughs> you don't. But, you know, every once in a while when you hear a message, it just catches you for whatever reason. It doesn't matter who the speaker is. It, you know, and a lot of times it may be a speaker you haven't heard because you, you hear, you listen a little bit better or just a different voice sometimes gets through. But, man, I, I still remember years and years ago when I was in college, I stayed with this family for the summer. Friends of my parents, their, name was, their names were Ron and Carol Williams. They had been missionaries in Hong Kong for a lot of years, so they spoke uh, perfect Chinese. Okay, we one time we went to Chinatown in L.A. and we went to the, we had the best Chinese food I've ever had in my life. Basically, I don't eat Chinese food; I don't like it because of that day. Okay, that night we went upstairs somewhere in Chinatown. All I did was just following around, you know. And so we get up there, and the guy, everybody's dressed in a tux. I mean, the servers are dressed in a, in a tux, and they seated us at this huge table. I can't remember if it was a, I think it was a several tables, kind of. We, it was a big group of us, and so none of us ordered. Uh, Pastor Ron, Mr. Ron, Reverend Ron, whatever we want to call him, Ron Williams, he ordered, and he ordered totally in Chinese. So, and they brought out the lobsters and the different kinds of seafood, and he picked them out, but it was all totally in whatever, you know, all this different language, and so. Man, that was the best Chinese food I ever had. I can't go like just get takeout anymore because I'm like, this doesn't taste right. There's something wrong here. I've been ruined forever by having just this gourmet Chinese food. But they were missionaries in Hong Kong, and so I was with them for that time. I think it was the same time where they were – they would take ministry trips. They were in the U.S. here, and they were serving the Foursquare Church. And he was going to Thousand Oaks, California that morning to speak. And for some reason, I remember that message. And the message was, over and over again, he went through scripture after scripture, how God stoops down and reaches his hand out and lifts us up. Never forget it. So whenever I read that scripture, I think of that message. The Holy Spirit moved powerfully that day, began to pray for people, and there was all kinds of powerful manifestations of the Holy Spirit that were beginning to break out in his life. He's like, this is... And as a young man, I still remember, he's like, this is a new thing God is doing. Isn't it awesome where, you know, here's these missionaries, these seasoned people who gave 20-plus years of their lives in Hong Kong. Their kids, you know, grew up there, and they speak Chinese too. And, uh, you know, but he's like, hey, God's doing something new in my life. You know, there's, there's always something fresh that God wants to do in our lives. And this is exactly what happens to the church right here is persecution happens and something fresh breaks out because the hand of the Lord is bringing something fresh into their lives. I want us to go to Acts chapter 4 and and look at another section. 
I want you to notice too, we've been talking about grace in in that section in, in the church of Antioch. What does it show up? What does it say when, when Barnabas shows up? It says he recognized that there was grace there, that there was a bunch of grace going on. So wherever the hand of God is, there's the grace of God. There's the strength of God, the power of God. There's something there's something at work. This is Acts chapter four, a little bit earlier. The early church is is just beginning to break out, and Peter and John have have healed the blind man, and they've been put in prison for it, and then they got out. And it says, here's what happens when they get out in verse 23 of chapter 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. In other words, we've been threatened. Here's what they said. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And look at what they prayed. This is so awesome. Uh, They don't say, oh, God, please rescue us. They never said that. They said, sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. They quote a scripture that talks about opposition. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable, look, he didn't say save us from the threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Kind of a different prayer. Normally we're praying like, hey, God, can you get me out of this? And they pray, they pray, God, hey, you heard what they're doing. Make us bold. Make us step out in faith. Make us go for it even more. Crazy people, what's wrong with them? They must have got the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> They're full of the Holy Spirit. Now the Lord, consider the threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I love the the mention there again. What does it say? God, stretch out your hand. You know, I kind of see it as like that picture of of Moses in the Old Testament when his hands were lifted up. You know, it says that the the armies of Israel were victorious. And then when they were lowered down, you know, they started losing. And so then there's the two guys that had to, Aaron and Hur had to come beside Moses and they sat him down and they held his hands up so there could be victory. That's the picture here that's happening is that God just... He just stretches out his hand. And it's like his hand is over a region or a situation or a family or a person. And wherever his hand is stretched out over them, signs and wonders and miracles, the power of God is manifest. God, stretch out your hand. You know, that's a good prayer for us to pray. This is a good prayer right here. If you don't know what to pray, I got a great idea. Look in the Bible, find some prayers. Start praying those prayers. Start praying the things that are in those prayers. Go to Ephesians 1 and pray that prayer. Go to Ephesians 3 at the end of the chapter of Ephesians 3. Pray that prayer. Pray the prayers in the book of Acts. You know, go to the book of Psalms. Those are, many of those are basically prayers to God. You know, you, you can learn to pray from the word of God. So stretch out your hands after they prayed. And here's what happened. Verse 32, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any possession was his own, but they shared everything they had. 
with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. So again, what does it say? The grace of God was there. Much grace was upon them all. You know, there's a scripture that says, I believe it's in Timothy, where it says, he gives us more grace. In other words, there's always more available. You know, we have grace, but there's more available. It says here they had much grace. And it says, or great grace was upon them all. In Acts 11, it's what does it say? The hand of the Lord was with them. The Lord's hand was upon them. You know, it's like he, he put his hand on them and says, you know, you're empowered. You know, you're strengthened now. I need the hand of the Lord on my life. And what happens is the grace of God is released. Much grace was upon them all. You know, the, I was, uh, it was great to be in the ocean. Anybody been in the ocean lately? You must live in West Texas. <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. So I, I grew up near the ocean, didn't, didn't go a super whole lot when I was in California, but, uh, you know, the ocean is, is a different place than, than a lake. You know, we're used to lakes out here. Well, we're not used to anything out here, but lakes are somewhat close to us. So we can get to lakes. Uh, lakes a whole different ball game than the ocean because, you know, lakes have a boundary. And I know the ocean has a boundary, but it's so far that you, you can't even imagine it. You know, when you go out and you're, when you start, you know, wandering out into the waves, and I did this one time, uh, it was just getting out in the ocean and getting out a little bit, getting out where I couldn't touch, you know, had to, had to tread water a little bit. There wasn't too many people out that far, so I didn't keep going because I'm like, I don't know if I'm like the shark bait here or what. <laughs> so, but I got out a little bit, you know. <laughs> Just that thought crosses your mind in the ocean, too. It doesn't cross your mind in the lake. There could be a shark here. <laughs> so, uh, but I refuse to live in fear, so I tread water <laughs> for a little bit. And uh, as I was out in the water, you know, the, this song kind of came to me. And it's, and it's a song by an, a guy named Jonathan David Helzer. And it says this, You are endless ocean bottomless sea just oh lord you are endless ocean bottomless sea and, you know as i began to look out on the ocean you know i couldn't see the end i couldn't i couldn't see i couldn't even you know it just disappears on the horizon and there's still what is there just ocean you know and if i kept swimming out deep enough there'd be a point where i couldn't just look down and and see the bottom i know it's there but it's just like it's like the sea is bottomless that's our god that's who he is he he's infinite he he's eternal he's he's unending he's he's huge and you know for me just to just to swim in his presence so to speak you know just to be in the in the center uh, of where he is what a what an awesome privilege but there's more. What that means is there's, there's always more. So when I have the grace of God in my life, when I have the hand of the Lord in my life, there's so much more. There's so much more for me to know. So that's why it's always you know, on us to continue to pursue, to continue to seek, to continue to, to swim out a little bit further into who God is. You know, let Him reveal Himself to you. There, I mean, there's nothing like you know, the beauty of God's creation. You know, you just you just see, you're amazed. You know, we got to go to the top, see a smoking volcano. We didn't see the lava. We didn't stay for night. But, uh, you know, you got this volcano, and it's, it's, it's live. 
I mean, it's live here. They're like, you know, like, when was the last eruption? 2008. You're like, no, 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 no. That's not that long ago. Like that seemed, I thought 2008 was last year, but it's actually like eight years ago. But uh, I, it really seems like it was not that long ago. And you see these pictures of, oh, yeah, when it gets going and the lava is flowing down to over roads and stuff. You're like, this is, this is the real deal here. But, man, what it, but it's beautiful. You know, you go out there and you're looking at the, the landscape. Uh, it's amazing that right after the lava flows that life can begin to grow. It's really amazing. You know, I mean, just, just God's creation, that there's, there's these first plants that are the first ones to pop up. I want to steal it from my wife because she'll probably, she's got to use this sometime in one of her messages. But, you know, it's like these, these first plants begin to pop after the destruction, after the lava flows, boom, life happens. What what a great picture for us that there's there's things that you know get overflowed and burned where we get burned, and God says you know what even in the middle of that I can bring up life, I can bring life out of something that looks like it would be impossible for life to happen. No, but you're right on. You know it's like why is this stuff growing? You know what there's there's life that's released even in the midst of, uh, you know, the tragedy there so to speak, and so you know when you see God's creation you know. You know, we were in a rainforest, we were in a desert, uh, we were on the the, be- the island beach. That's all on one island. <laughs> it's incredible. I had a friend say God created Hawaii last uh, because he just took the best of everything else and said, I'm going to shove that all together on, you know, a few islands here and see what I can, see what it'd be like. Uh, that's really what it's like. But you, you get out and you just go, man, God, you're amazing. And so I don't, you know, for us, we can't get out and go, we don't have that, that kind of stuff here, but we can get out into the presence of God. We can get out into his love. We can get into his word. We can get into his grace. We can get him to reveal to us his greatness and his endlessness. And, you know, we just need to swim out a little bit more. I want to close with this. Second uh, Kings chapter 3 is another mention of the hand of the Lord. Second Kings chapter three. Anybody remember where Kings is? I can't find it. Here it is. I found it. Second Kings chapter three. Real quickly, this is Elisha. Elijah has just left the earth and his mantle has fallen upon Elisha. And uh there's been a couple of miracles that have already happened in Elisha's life. And so the king of Ju- uh, Israel has invited the king of Judah, and they're, they're joining an alliance to go seek out the king of Moab. There's some issues there, and so they're, they're going to fight them. They've been wandering with their armies in the desert, and there's no water. So that's, that's what's going on right here. They're about to, there's, a, there's about to be a serious problem here because there's a large group of people, and they're in the middle of a desert with no water. And so Jehoshaphat, the good king, says, hey, is there a prophet of God here? Can we seek God right now? Can we, like, ask God, what do we do? And so in verse 13, Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? Go to your prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Remember, they weren't, the kings of Israel were not following God. So just just a brief history. There's the kings of Judah, the kings of Israel, the kingdom split. All the Israel kings are bad. Not one single one follows God. Some of the kings of Judah were good. Some of them were bad. Some of them did follow God. And so Jehoshaphat was one that followed God. 
No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. So in other words, he's like, I'm going to speak to you, but only because Jehoshaphat is here. He's, he's following the Lord. But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain. Yet this valley will be filled with water and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand over Moab to you. And so basically they get a prophetic word. What do they have to do? What do they have to do? Dig. <laughs> they got, all they have to do is dig the ditches. In other words, make a place for water to show up. You know, when the water shows up, have a place where it flows into something. In other words, be ready to receive what's going to come. You know, I just love that, that picture. You know what? It says, Elisha's like... He's in the middle. He's got a wicked king here. He's got one good king here. And there's another king here who's not really following God either. So he's in the middle of this atmosphere. And even Elisha says, I need some worship. <laughs> I need somebody to play something anointed right now. <laughs> and so the harpist comes and begins to play. And what happens? The presence of God comes. The hand of the Lord comes upon him. And my encouragement to you is this. What is it in your life where you just know the hand of the Lord comes upon you? Is it worship music? Is it praying in the Spirit? Is it the Word of God? Is it, is it dancing? I don't know. Whatever that thing is, just be aware of that and know that's okay. Use that to get in the presence of God because we need the hand of the Lord on our lives. I need his hand. I need his direction. I need his, his comforting presence. I need his welcoming. I need his invitation. I need his power to be stretched out over my lives. I need his provision. And I need to do whatever it takes for me to have the hand of the Lord on my life. Stretch out your hand, God, and do miracles. I want to see some more miracles. I've seen some. I want to see some more. Not for me. You know, we sang this one song. And uh, we may do it here or not. That's up to Lisa. She liked it, so we'll see how God God leads in that. But it, they, we we sang it the first night. Well, not the first night. The first night we had a luau, <laughs> had a feast, and they take they're taking care of the pastor. So thank you, thank your council for helping us get there and and taking care of your pastor. So it was a great idea too because we were exhausted. And uh they gave the spiritual history of Hawaii, which is fascinating. But the second morning, we one of the first few worship songs was this. It was a song called Miracles and it just says I believe in you, I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Uh and then the the bridge goes into something like uh who was and is and is to come, the power of the risen one. Something else, something else. I believe you're the God of miracles. So, I mean, we're just singing that song. I was like, going, oh, my goodness, this song is so powerful because we're just, we're, we're focused on God. And it's like we're in Acts 4. 
we're just so focused on God that we're God, God, I don't even care if you save me. Just stretch out your hand. Just stretch out your hand and perform miracles. And here's the deal. I know the backstory of this song because I was like, I know this song. I'm like, who sings this song? I've heard it before. And so I had to look it up on, you know, afterwards, jump on the internet and, and see. I was like, oh, it's, it's Jesus Culture's Chris Kilala. And, and I immediately knew the, the story from this song. See, Chris Kilala about, it's probably been about two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, I think it was their second child. I'm not totally sure on that. It could be the first. But they went through nine months, and when they gave birth, they gave birth to a stillborn baby. And, you know, I, I can't imagine what that's like. And some of you have maybe gone through that, and you can understand the, just the, the grief and the pain and the, uh, you know, just unimaginable. And so... Chris Kialala is the author of that song. And so through that next year, through him walking through the pain and the loss and the grief and the, you know, the questions that got to come, you know, God, are you, where were you, God? Where were you? You know, why did, why did this happen, God? All those questions that we have about things that happen in our life. Out of that time, he wrote this song. Makes that song that much more powerful to me because it's like, hey, this is a guy who's walked through, you know, where he's been on the other side of all the questions, and he says, you know what? I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I still believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I went through this pain. I went through this this trial. I've went through this struggle. But Lord, nope, my eyes are upon you. I still believe. You're the God of miracles. He's good. Amen? Whatever it takes for you to get the hand of the Lord on you, I encourage you, remember to do that. Remember to, if it is wor- you know, worship music, wor- it's, it's amazing how music, God created music, I believe, with uh, especially anointed music to have power to change the atmosphere. There's something about that. So whatever that is in your life, make sure that you're not going without that. Because you, you need that in your life because it's in those times where you're reminded. Sometimes it's just the hand of the Lord to remind you, hey, I'm still here. Sometimes it's the hand of the Lord that says, I'm going to give you something to say. Sometimes it's his hand of direction. Sometimes it's his hand of, of miraculous power. But we need his hand. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we just thank you. We believe. We believe. We believe. Lord, we thank you, Lord, and we ask you to give us boldness to be who you have called us to be. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And we want to expect the same things to happen in our lives that happen in your life while you are on earth, Lord. Because you said that you would send your spirit, and it's the same spirit that raised you from the dead. And so we have the spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit within us. And, Lord, we ask for your hand to be upon us. Lord, may your hand be upon every single person, every single son and daughter of the king here that we would walk with your anointing, we would walk with your power, Lord, and we would see miracles, Lord, whether it looks like a small one or a big one, Lord, it's all miracles, it's all miraculous, it's all something that only you can do, and only your hand can perform, God. Our hands can't do it, but only if your hand is on my hand, God, can we see those miracles. And so we choose to say yes to you, God, if we've had disappointments, Lord, we choose to just release, continue to release those to you and say, God, I still believe. Lord, I don't feel like it. I don't want to, but I'm going to just do it by faith and say, Lord, I still believe.
I still believe. I'm going to believe that you are who you say you are. And I'm going to believe that you want to stretch your hand out and perform miracles of salvation, healing, and deliverance, Lord. A miracle of encouragement, a miracle of wisdom, Lord, a miracle of provision, whatever it may be, through our lives and around those who you've placed us. We choose to believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Be blessed. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. If you've never met Jesus, we invite you to come on up. We'd love to lead you to him and introduce you to him. And uh, be blessed as you go.